It's a message on family. It's Lego themed. That's the, that's the video. I super have to apologize to Kay and our tech team. Um, I, I got everything out of order. For the last like three or four minutes, I got everything out of order. So that's not the tech team. That's the pastor. If I had a dollar for every time I've dropped the ball or messed up. But that's family, right? That's what it means to be a part of any group of people, a part of a family, you're going to drop the ball. You're going to mess up sometimes. Let's talk about that today. Let's talk about order and how we order our life. But before we do that, a little bit of introduction, right? If you've been with us over the last three weeks, we are at the last week of a four-week message series about family. And our biblical foundation for that is the book of Joshua, chapter 24. If you are new with us, and would like to study along in your Bible with us, I encourage you to turn to Joshua. It's the sixth book of the Bible. We are in chapter 24. When we get to Joshua chapter 24, Joshua, by the way, is the one who led the Israelites into the promised land. Moses famously took the Israelites up to the promised land. Joshua took them across the goal line. And by chapter 24, the Israelites have settled in the land. They've been settled there for many, many years, but the family of God, they were messing up. They were messing up. These people who have seen the works of God for 600 years saw the sun stand still, the walls of Jericho torn down, mountains surrounded by fire, seas ripped apart, all by God, God, God. They got to the promised land, they forgot about God. They started worshiping other gods. And so their leader, Joshua, is at the end of his life. In Joshua chapter 24, he has one more shot to communicate with his people, the chosen people of God. And so this is one of the most famous speeches in all of Scripture, one of the most famous recorded speeches in all of human history. It's Joshua's farewell address. It is a it is, a, it is a 16th century B.C. TED talk about God and everything that matters and is most important in life. But instead of me rambling on, I want to read to you Joshua's words from his own lips. We're in Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Here's what he says. Please fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Fear the Lord, serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, I'll serve the Lord. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This statement from Joshua, given 3,600 years ago, is why we exist. It's why we exist. The church wants to be made up of households that serve the Lord. And then what we want to do is we don't want to keep that to ourselves. We want to go out into our community and encourage the people of our community to form households that serve the Lord. 
But here's the deal with that. None of us have to do that. You don't have to serve the Lord. The people of Greensburg and Westmoreland County, they don't have to serve the Lord. It all comes down to a choice. It all comes down to a choice that you have to make. Joshua said, choose whom you will serve, not choose if you will serve. Joshua knew what you and I know today, that you serve something. Your household serves something. You don't choose to serve. You do have to choose what it is that you do serve. There was another famous prophet that came along thousands of years later after Joshua. His name was Getty Lee. Any Rush fans? Apparently not too many Rush fans. Do you know the band Rush? Oh my gosh. Go home and use the Twitter machine to get on Rush. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Rush is a really good band. Rush is a good band. Getty Lee once said about choice, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. And so the question isn't if you are going to serve, your household absolutely serves something. The question is, what do you serve? You know, you know all the secular answers about what you can choose to serve. You can serve your job or your career. You can serve your pocketbook, your hobby, your sports team. <laughs> Many of us are serving our calendar instead of our calendar serving us. Amen. Anybody else like that or is it just me? This is a self-reflection question that we've got to continually ask ourselves, who am I serving? Who is my household serving? But you know what the funny thing is? It's really easy to tell. It's hard for me to tell what I am serving, and it's probably hard for you to tell what you're serving, but it's easy for you to tell what I'm serving. <laughs> Does that make sense? It is easy for your friends and neighbors to know exactly what the most important thing in your life is. I'm going to go for some low-hanging fruit. It's football season. One time, I lived in a house where my neighbor, my neighbor was, I'm not, I, if you're a fan of this team, that's fine, a Notre Dame fan. Do you know how I knew he was a Notre Dame fan? Oh, it was really easy to tell. He had a Notre Dame flag on a flagpole, like coming out of his ground, not the American flag, not the Christian flag, Notre Dame flag, fighting Irish dude on a flagpole. He had the garden flag. He had a little garden rock in his thing. He had, the, uh, he had a, a license plate, not just the license plate, but the doohickey that goes around the license plate, just in case you didn't see the vanity plate. You knew the thing that went around it. Tattoo. First time I met the guy, I, I said, so where did you go to school? <laughs> Not Notre Dame. Not, he went to Central Michigan or something. <laughs> really? Really easy to tell what that guy served. But you know what? All kidding aside, it's just as easy for our neighbors to tell what we serve because it's tattooed all over our life. What do we talk about? What do we, what do we fill our calendar with? What you and I serve is tattooed all over the place. And so, if I asked you today, and I'm not asking you right now, but if I'm asking you today to finish this statement, as for me and my household, we will serve what? It's, you, you've got to, don't even answer that now. You've got to answer that question. Think about it. And you and I have the same offer that Joshua made to the Israelite people. You don't have to serve the Lord. You really don't. 
But do you know who it is or what it is that you do serve? Know it. Figure it out. Order your life around that thing that you are serving. Be intentional about it. Of course, I want you to serve the Lord. I want you to make the decision, the conscious decision, the active decision to serve the Lord. Let's talk about that. While you're contemplating exactly what it is that you and your household serve, let's back up a second. What does it even mean to serve something? In the Old Testament of the Bible, you may or may not know, was written in Hebrew, ancient Hebrew. And the ancient Hebrew word for serve is the word avad. Avad. It's a rich and complex word, as many words in ancient Hebrew are, and it has different meanings based on what context you're using it in. So if you are, let's say, serving a thing, serving an object, if you are avoding a thing, what that means in ancient Hebrew is you are servicing the thing, like servicing a car. If you are avoding a person, that's a worker boss relationship. You are a servant to a person if you are evading a person. If you evade the Lord and Savior of the universe, God, that's a whole different thing. To serve God in ancient Hebrew, to evade God in ancient Hebrew means to have exclusive and wholehearted loyalty. To serve God means to have exclusive, you know what that word means, and wholehearted, you know what that word means, loyalty. It means knowing God's commands and keeping them. It means making God the center of your life. And so if you are contemplating the question, who does my household serve? I want you to know what it means to serve the Lord. It means making the Lord the center of your life. You may not be there yet. You may not be there yet. And so don't feel bad if you or your household is not serving the Lord at the center of your life. But do consider this. Something is at the center of your life. You get to choose what that thing or what that person is. Here, here, here's an analogy. Here, here's how life works. Think about your living room. We're going to find out in just a minute why it's called a living room because it's a metaphor for life. When you moved into your house, by the way, I didn't know we were going to have a picture associated with it. It goes without saying, but that's not my living room. You, you, you the, the pastor of your church, I don't know what pastor, well, <laughs> there's some pastors that I know would have that living room. Uh, not me. Not me. Uh, thank you for supporting, by the way, myself and my family. This is not our living room. <laughs> think about your living room. This probably doesn't describe many of your living rooms either. If it does, I will see you today for the Steeler game. <laughs> when you moved into your house, you had a blank slate for your living room. A living room is really cool because you can do, it can serve different purposes, but you've got to make a choice. When you moved into your house and you had this blank room, you got to choose the functionality of that room, right? You got to choose if it was going to be your TV room. You got to choose if it was going to be a sitting room. The purpose comes first. Then you arrange the furniture, right? 
when you moved into your house, you probably just didn't start throwing furniture out willy-nilly. You said, this room is going to be a living room, and if we're going we're gonna to watch TV here. This room's going to be a bedroom. This other bedroom's going to be an office. And then you put the furniture in, right? If your living room's going to be that TV room, you arrange your furniture around the TV to watch the TV. If it's going to be a sitting room, you put a coffee table in the middle of the room and arrange the furniture around the coffee table for better conversation. The purpose of the room comes first. And then you arrange the furniture. Our life works a lot like that. The purpose of our life comes first. And then all the stuff we do serves the purpose. Is that how you've ordered your life? The purpose comes first and then we arrange the furniture. <laughs> then, we, then we do stuff that serves the purpose. And so again, the question that you and I need to ask ourselves is what are we serving? The stuff we do, what is it serving? Our calendar, our bank account, our emotions and our energy, what is it that they are serving? Do you want to be a household that serves the Lord? If you do, let's ask ourselves three questions this morning. Do you want to be a household that serves the Lord? First, what are your family's habits? What are your family's habits, your routines, your rituals? What is your morning routine, your evening routine, your, your weekend routine, your holiday routine? Habits are so important. Many of us don't even think about them, but they are essential to our life. Your habits shape the culture of your household. Your habits shape the culture of your household. Your habits reveal your character. And your habits, if you have children, will shape the character of your children. Put it to you this way, at your funeral, your, your, your family, your next of kin, your children we'll be talking about your habits. Won't they all, oh, man, d dad always used to do this. Oh, I remember mom always used to do that. What is the person giving the eulogy talking about? Habits. Habits are so important. Here's how important habits are. Just one generation before Joshua chapter 24 that we are talking about during this series, just one generation before that, God gave the Israelites the law. The 613 commands of the law, the most famous of those being the Ten Commandments. The law of God is nothing more than a set of habits that the Israelites could, check this out, choose to follow if they wanted to follow God. They didn't have to follow God's law. But if they wanted to follow God, they had to follow God's law. Amen? For example, um, a, a, a really good law, and that's an understatement because it's God's law, one of my favorites that's transformed my life is the law about keeping a Sabbath day. Something about keeping the Sabbath day holy, right? Setting aside a 24-hour period of rest and resetting and relaxation, all to give glory to God and to help you physically reset your week. That's a command from God. It's a habit. 
that we can either take seriously or not take seriously. (laughs) If you are a household that is interested in serving the Lord, what are the habits that your household has that back that up? Is reading scripture a daily habit for you? Is being in communication with God through prayer a daily habit for you? Dedicated prayer time, yes. Worshiping on Sunday morning with your church family, is that a habit for you? Is it a priority? A ritual of serving? A ritual of giving? Habits are habitual. Really easy way to tell if something's a habit. A habit's habitual. And we can laugh at that, but there are some other things we do in our life. Not everything we do is a habit. There are some things we do that are lesser important than habits are, right? Those are things that we get to if there's time for it. Those are things that we'll get to if, if, we, if we have enough time in our schedule, but if not, it's okay. Church family, I, I got to tell you this because I love you. So many of the things of our faith fall into that latter category for a lot of us, don't they? I'll get to it if I have time. I'll read scripture if I have time at the end of my day. I'll pray to God if I have time. It's not a habit. What are we doing that are habits? Do the habits you have right now reflect who you want to be? And if they don't, that's okay. That's why we're having this conversation. That's why God's talking to us. And by the way, he's talking to me just as strongly as he's talking to you. If you're not in a place where you want to be in your life right now, if the habits of your household don't reflect who your household wants to be in Christ, today's a really good day to reevaluate your habits. By the way, if you have children, there is no more um, observant um, people in your life of your habits than your kids are. And your habits will shape the character of your children. They're very important. So if you want to be a household that serves the Lord, the first question you've got to ask yourself is, what are our habits? The second question that you and I need to ask ourselves is, who does your family imitate? Who does your family... That's a good question, isn't it? There's some kids in here. Maybe you have some posters on your wall. Adults, isn't it lame that we don't get to put posters on our wall? As much as kids do, we just don't. Why not? You can put posters on your wall. You can. If you could, what would you put on your wall? Who do you want to imitate? Who's your hero? Who's your role model? (laughs) Whose life do you want? Now, I could be a dangerous question, but it doesn't need to be. It could be a good and holy question. It depends on whose life you want. It's not a question of envy. It's a question of intimidation, uh, of, of imitation. It's a question of imitation. There's good imitation and there's bad imitation. Let's have some fun right now. Let's play a game. You want to play good imitation, bad imitation? Let's play a game. When I was in high school, in ninth grade, I can't remember how old I was, but it was in the 90s. There was a television show on MTV called Beavis and, and there's, there's just a name I'm not going to say during a sermon. We're filming this. I can't say this. <laughs> when I was in ninth grade, every boy in Greensburg, Salem, every freshman boy, every boy in Greensburg, Salem talked like Beavis. Amen. Everyone <laughs> who said, no, we reject that. We repent of that. 
you, you, you should. I know I'm getting an amen from one of my brothers who's my age. If you were a teacher and you had to hear Beavis's voice all day from a hundred nine-year or ninth-grade boys, is that good imitation or bad imitation? That's bad. I'll answer for you. That's bad imitation. We don't want that. That's. Oh my gosh! I can't believe we did that. Grunge clothes, wearing clothes. Grunge. Can I describe grunge to you? Is wearing wearing clothes that were like three or four sizes too big for you? Good imitation. Bad imitation. Oh, nobody wants to take a stand on grunge, do they? It was, it was bad imitation, right? I think any clothes you wore through, through like middle school, probably you're going to find out later on is bad imitation. I don't know. One day I was having a, a really bad day, and I, uh, I took my kids to uh, the, the park. Um, I was having a bad day. I was short with my kids in public at the playground. And... Um, and I was short with them, and I saw another father at that playground who was not having a bad day, or at least didn't show it, because he was showing his kids grace, and he was playing with his kids and loving on his kids and having a really good time. Is that good imitation or bad imitation? That's good imitation. That's good imitation. What you've got to do is ask yourself, who do I want to imitate? Who am I surrounding myself with? Because if it's not conscience, it's subconscious for you. Just like everyone serves something, everyone has role models. This concept is found all throughout Scripture. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. Be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. All of the millions of sources and people who want to influence you, and there's a lot of people who want to influence you, they are all going to say, be imitators of me. They're just going to finish that sentence in a different way. Be an imitator of me because you can have all the fancy stuff. You can have a large bank account. You can have it all if you just imitate me. There's lots of people like that. Be an imitator of me because I'm an influencer on social media and it looks, looks, like I have this glamorous life where I travel around the world. So be an imitator of me. Those are imitators. We could keep going for hours and hours of all the different imitators that want to influence you in your life. But 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul said, imitate me because I love Jesus Christ. And when you hang out at dinner with me or when we're out at a restaurant or when we're out in public or when we're in the privacy of my own home, I'm going to act like a disciple of Jesus Christ. So imitate me. If you want to be a household that serves the Lord, who are you being influenced by? Who are you surrounding yourself with? that is a source of hope and joy and inspiration in Jesus Christ to you. Please have those people. By the way, if you're not in a small group, we'd be happy to get you hooked up with one. Let us know. Let us know. Finally, the third question. You've got to ask yourself, if you want to be a household that serves the Lord, is what does your family talk about? Really, what does your family talk about? Because you know the words that come out of your mouth are a reflection of what's in your heart, right? I've read that somewhere. What your family talks about is a reflection 
of your household. It really is. And you might be thinking at this point, man, this, this is really getting into the nitty gritty. We're really taking this seriously. We are taking this really seriously. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Do you want to get serious? Be mindful for the next week. I'm just inviting you into this. For one week, be mindful of the conversations that you have in your household. Just be mindful of it. Keep a journal if you have to. If you're a regular social media user, this is going to be really easy because it's recorded right there for you and for everyone else to see. Look back at the last week or the last year at all your social media posts. Look at your journal because you've been mindful of the conversations that you've had all this week in your household and ask yourself this very difficult question. Is this who I want to be? Do the conversations I have with my family reflect the fact that me and my household, we serve the Lord? But does our conversation reflect that? Do you have to talk exclusively about God? Not necessarily. Can I talk about work? Can I vent to my family about work? Of course you can. You can do one of two things. You can complain about your job or you can talk about how you can still glorify God in a very difficult job. Can I talk about sports? Because we rag on sports a lot. I love sports. Of course you can talk about sports. What you can do with your family is you can make sure your children know that we don't worship sports. We worship God. And that sports are a really good constructive activity as long as they are secondary to our relationship with God and our church family. That's a great conversation to have. If you have children, if you have a spouse, what are they hearing you say? Are they hearing you talk about what you heard from God during your morning devotional? Do you talk with your kids about what you read in your Bible study, what you talked about in small group? Do you praise God for the beautiful day He has made? Or do you talk about things that aren't as important? You get to choose, y'all. You get to choose. I want to look in the mirror and encourage myself to serve the Lord and to take that very seriously. I want to encourage you, my church family, to make the decision to serve the Lord, to say with confidence, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Maybe you're not there yet. And you might say, man, there are just some roadblocks to getting there. So I want to take two more minutes and share with you two more thoughts that might help and certainly might ease some struggles that you might have when we are talking about this concept. If you today say with genuine sincerity, yes, I do want my household to serve the Lord, but right now my household isn't serving the Lord, it's just me. If you are alone in a household filled with other people, if you are alone in your desire to serve the Lord, then serve the Lord. Then serve the Lord. I really don't think it was unintentional for Joshua to start with himself. He didn't say, as for my household, he said, as for me and my household. So if right now, as of today, October 2nd, 2022, you are alone in your desire to serve the Lord in your household, that's okay. You serve the Lord. You pray, you read scripture, you serve, you give. 
and, 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 and you don't accost your other family members for not doing those things or not wanting to talk about Jesus as much as you do, but your prayer is that they see you, that they see you, and maybe over a series of months or more likely a series of years that they see you and you're their role model and they want what you have in Christ. The second thing I want to tell you is that, and this is tough, it's an easy decision. It's an easy decision to say, I want to serve the Lord. That's the easy part. Saying it is the easy part. Then you got to arrange the furniture. Then you actually have to do things in your life to serve what you say you want. And so in our faith, you and I both know that you cannot just say that we want to serve the Lord. We can't just say that we are Christians. We have to live our life. We have to order our life as if we really were. There is a purpose and there is an order to every single room in your house. My friends, please. Order your life around a purpose. Order your life around a purpose, and I'm really encouraging you to make that purpose God. I can't force you to do that. I don't know what your prayer life is like. I don't know what your study habits are of the Bible. I don't know how you serve or how you give. All I can say is, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, would you make that statement true for everyone who desires it to be true? Lord God, today I am making a recommitment. I may have failed in the past. I may have failed this morning. But I'm your son. I'm your daughter, Lord God. We have sons and daughters all out here, Father God. And we want to reaffirm that we belong to you, that we are your children. And we are desperate to serve you. Just help us to do it, Lord God. Father God, it's in your precious Son, Jesus' name, that we do pray. Amen.